y'all boys not get the memo. Good morning, Monday morning, Bryan College Station. You're listening to Tech Sags Radio. I'm Ryan Broninger, and we are presented by David Gardner's Jewelers inside the Rollo Insurance Studios. I'm not firing on all cylinders this morning. Olin has walked in, and uh, as he does, has got my brain already in a pickle because I saw you. First of all, what's the big deal? Well, it's we are on the go if hour. Your brain is in a pickle. Oh, uh, I but, like that. What's okay, the deal? Go, go on. Go, the Go Hour presented the by the Warehouse and CC Creations. Maroon U stopped by the corner of Holloman and Welburn Road there. Largest warehouse for uh, Texas A&M Apparel in Bryan College Station. Visit our folks, our fine folks at Maroon U. And Olin walks in with a maroon shirt on that has the Houston Oilers logo. And I was Old trying Derek. to put it together. Uh, what it was, and then I remember you were a proud White Oak Roughneck. It's the it's the fighting White Oak Roughnecks. I was uh, visiting there a couple years ago. Uh, they gave me a gift basket because I guess they think I'm somebody. And, you are somebody. <clears throat> somebody. And uh, I brought it home forgot about it. And it's probably been up there two years. And then my wife was cleaning out the closet and said, hey, I, do you want this? Oh, of course. I just forgot it was there. So... The White Oak Roughnecks. Well, we have representing. We'll get maybe some White Oak Roughneck football one other day whenever I'm hosting, and we've got some time to kill because we got a lot of stuff to get to. Yeah, I know, but uh, you you went to where? Nederland. Nederland. Yeah. What was what would the Nederland shirt look? What would it look like? It's got have a big old English N on it. That's kind of their calling card as a big giant old English N. And and what kind of what colors? Black and Vegas gold. Not just gold, but Vegas gold. Well, because you say black and gold, and people will think the Steelers. It's okay. that's yellow gold. It's, it's more like the Saints gold. Yes, it's okay. more like the Saints. It very similar color scheme to Colorado. Okay, black and right. Vegas gold. Right. But we have a ton to get to. Let's Texas A and M basketball, seventy-two to sixty-six winners on Saturday night in a raucous Reed Arena. We're going to get to a lot of that here with Olin Buchanan in the nine o'clock hour. Uh, we've got Texas Aggie baseball coach Jim Schlossnagel for his uh, weekly appearances that will start uh, with us and run through the spring. So we'll talk to Coach Schlosh there in that 9 o'clock hour. Uh, we'll have Tom Hart come on. I believe that's going to be in the tent. Nick, you're going to have to help me. I know you just told me. Nick literally just came in. Yeah, I think 1035 we'll have Tom 10, Hart. 1035 with Tom Hart. Okay, so uh, the rest of that 9 o'clock hour after Coach Schlosh, we're going to do a lot of uh, – Clips from the Buzz press conference. We'll go back over the game and stuff like that. And maybe you know, I've been going out to Aggie baseball uh, last weekend. I was there twice and watched them scrimmage. So maybe some takeaways and thoughts there. Billy Lucci will join us in the back half of the show at some point. Uh, we'll talk Aggie basketball. We'll talk A&M Junior Day. We'll see if he's got some updates on these empty coaching spots uh, over there at A&M, Aggie football. Um, and just general I guess a general temperature check of the athletic department from Billy, all things. So we'll maybe talk some some baseball with Billy as well. Let's say good morning to Kay Nagley in the News and Social Center. Kay, how was your weekend? I don't know if you're on. I don't think you're on. Well, well, definitely not hearing you. Not on my... Oh, there she goes. There we we go. go. Someone in the back was messing me up. Whoa, we don't do that here. Hey, hey now, Kay. Right. Yeah, Everyone makes mistakes. Yeah. No, because Easy. the first time I was ever on radio, I didn't click the button, so it's kind of like a little sensitive subject for me, so now I always make sure to do it. And she was, was so sensitive that she was quick to throw Nick <laughs> under the bus. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. Hey, it wasn't I me. Apologize. It was somebody in the back. So. Apologize, Nick. 
So the first the time and the last time she was on radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, it was good though. I was uh, had a good weekend. Don't have much homework yet, so I'm glad about that. So. It's still early. Mm-hmm. It's still it's still, early. still early. Ob, yes, sir. Overall thoughts from Saturday night. Number one, the atmosphere was fantastic. We talked about it at the end of last week in that Thursday and Friday mm-hmm. show. Just felt like it was building to a, a raucous Reed Arena, and that's what we got. Um, yeah, we expected it, quite mm-hmm. frankly. If you can't get behind this team, I don't know what team you can get behind. Uh, they're not just good, but the way they play so hard all the time um, makes you like them. It wasn't a beauty contest, though. No, it, it was – but here's – Here's what I was impressed with. Um, they did not follow the their usual recipe for success. They showed they can cook the meal uh, from a different recipe. They they didn't clamp down Vanderbilt in the first half and keep them to you know like twenty five points or, or something. They didn't uh, shoot great at the free throw line, especially <clears throat> down the stretch where they were. I think fifty percent and you know five of ten, uh, and and Julius Marble was kind of a non-factor. He was do a bad one, <clears throat> right? Right. I mean, but because he's been so so in games they've won, they've gotten really good performances from Julius. Mm-hmm. They've shot well at the free throw line, gotten there a lot, and shot and shot a high percentage, and they've uh, just in, dominated on the defensive end in the first half. They didn't do any of those things. And still want. Sure. And like you said, you got to have a lot of different ways to bake the cake. And I think this team found their identity way earlier than last year's team. And we talked about maturity on the road to manage that game out against Auburn um, in their or against their 28 game home winning streak and uh, with the students on top of you and just being able to manage the game there in the second half. And I said it was going to take a little bit of maturity for them to bounce back, not have a hangover, and win the game uh, against Vanderbilt. And I'm not real sure that it mattered how they played. And I'm not sure it matters how they play the rest of the way if you keep stacking these wins. Yeah. Oh, of course it doesn't. It's just, But sometimes you have to find another way to do it. I, my man to my right, Ryan Broniger, also Nostradamus, said uh, Friday that Henry Coleman – was do a big game. Look for Henry Coleman. And Henry Coleman made a profit out of you. You went out, he went out there, what, about 18 points? 18 and six. I will say, uh, you know, a broke clock is right twice a day. So <laughs> uh, please do not start pulling up no, the no, no, that I made no, in the take past. It, that, take your victory lap. Well, I, I just, we both agree that Henry Coleman, we like him as a human being. We we think he's an important piece of that team because of his Clutch. personality, all that kind of stuff. So I think whenever you watch A and M play and you understand what kind of kid Henry Coleman is, and then you listen to Buzz in the post game when he talked about when Anderson Garcia was getting a lot of Henry's minutes. Was it at Auburn? I believe yeah. it was who he was referencing, or, or one of those games. Yeah, I think so. But how Henry Coleman was the biggest, loudest cheerleader for Anderson during that game. When in my experience in sports, when kids do that kind of thing they're setting themselves up for their own personal success so that's why i just felt like there was a big night coming for henry coleman well here's the thing that impressed me about henry coleman again was one of your better players last year was a preseason all sec selection and 
uh, last night showed you why with 18 and six, you know, and he's just playing well, shooting a high percentage, everything just play. And yet his role had been reduced because of Julius Marble's presence and other things. Mm -hmm. And you've never heard him complain. They just go out and win, and he plays hard every game. He's not he, – he could be saying, yeah, you know, that's what I could be doing every night if they – you know. Mm-hmm. But, no, he just goes out and does what he needs to do to win. And they sometimes don't need him to score 18 points. But, by gosh, they needed everything they could get from him against Vanderbilt, and he gave it. And a continued emergence, I guess – not on the stat line, but when you watch the game, and, and I had an old high school baseball coach that told me, quit worrying about your stats. Stats are for people that don't go to the game. Because if, if people go to games, they know who's playing well, right? So if you just look at the stat line over the last week, you wouldn't really understand what kind of impact Anderson Garcia has had in two big wins for A&M. Uh, I've got the numbers right here from... Well, he had six offensive rebounds. Six offensive rebounds, Huge. eight total rebounds, but only five points in 21 minutes. But again, it's kind of how that's when not how he him. impacts the game. And when <laughs> he gets his points, the last layup that he got off of that kind of wild errant shot from Wade Taylor was really the difference maker, probably and, the and, game winner. And if my memory serves, I might be off on a little bit of this. I have checked my notes, but I think A and M was at a period where they had gone like seven and a half minutes without a field goal, mm-hmm. and here they missed another shot. And there's Anderson Garcia. Where he's he just always seems to be where he's supposed to be, and here he ends, comes up, gets the put back, and all of a sudden, hey, you're up 68-66, and na- now all the pressure's on Vanderbilt, and now you're hyped up, and and you know what they did a they did a heck of a job in the last I'd say four maybe five minutes of defending the three point line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vanderbilt had what twelve threes, yeah, and. But couldn't get them. You know, they it was, them the that most. was such a weird last quarter of the game, that final ten minutes, because was it Hefner hits the three and they're starting to build the lead. What was it up to thirteen? They got up to they. I think it was a thirteen point thirteen lead. point lead. It's like, and it and then it was weird because it's like they went on coast mode. Game, they, game's over, and credit Vanderbilt for making shots and making plays down the stretch. But it just seemed like the intensity ratcheted down until. The collective group went, oh crap, they're back in this thing. And then the final two minutes, AM won the game well, again. It looked like, but it looked were, like it could be a comfortable win. It did. And it looked like they were choking. They were turning the ball over. They were missing free throws. They were doing all the things that you do when you're in a full scale choke mode. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but they found their way out of it. And a big reason they found a, <laughs> was Anderson Garcia. Sure. And then, their inability to close, and you mentioned it at the free throw line. That was kind of shocking. Of, of all the things that happened the other night, uh, I did not see. This is a team that gets to the foul line and they make their foul shots, and that's what kind of what they've hung their hat on recently. So that shooting fifty percent down the stretch, I don't think that was something anything anybody saw coming. No. And if you sink three of those, the game's out of you know out of reach before you get to those final two minutes. But I thought that Vanderbilt played pretty well. And the Studi kid kept getting shot off after shot off, and some of them were clean looks. And I know Buzz likes to play pressure defense, and uh, they like when people, that's by his own admission, they like when people shoot the three ball against them. Uh, but Vanderbilt was also, they sunk some pretty tough shots. 
uh, funny Commodore Sync. Yeah, really yeah. Want, yeah kind of. Yeah. That was my Olin brain working right there. Okay. But my point was, <clears throat> I was I wasn't I wasn't completely displeased with the defensive effort. They could have been better, but I also thought Vanderbilt played pretty well. Well, they moved the ball around and they kept they moved the ball around and kept going deep into the shot clock and setting screen, doing all kinds of things, mm-hmm. and they were frequently popping somebody open in the corner and then making it. And I know Billy Kent, Billy Kennedy, but it is early today. That I is know your Buzz, old brain. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> and I had a senior moment. I know that Buzz Williams likes for his opponent to be shooting a three from the corner the most, but he also wants it to be contested. Yes. And it too often was not contested. Well, but by gosh, when they had to have it, and he changed the defense around, and all of a sudden Studi would get the ball and he'd turn around, and there'd be 6'8 Henry Coleman on him. That's and he couldn't, point, yeah. he couldn't find space to, to have that shot, so he's either missing or he's giving it up. And if you listen, you were in the Buzz press conference, but I listened to it Sunday morning, and – I was it maybe you or somebody in the presser asked him about how they changed the looks or when they changed the looks on defense, and he talked about that final four minutes of the game. They they switched it up, and you started to see Henry Coleman defending more on the perimeter. And in those final four minutes, Vanderbilt's shot selection and shot success from the outside drastically changed. Now, I think that was I think that was bright. I, again, I'm not a basketball brain guy. But I think that was bright uh, because you could not have done that with Henry Coleman on the perimeter the entirety of the game. Now, well, I, I think they did a lot of things. I think they tried to just keep the ball out of Stoogie's hands. And uh, so they changed – it seemed to me, and if you're, when you're talking to Logan, if you ever do, you know, he was going to know more about it than I do. But it seems to me that they just said, look, I know what we typically do, but let's get out on him now. <laughs> you know, well, let's I also not, think let's that not was get the ball they, pushed out and then we go get him. Let's go get him now. Let's just stay again, on. Him this from, is something we'd have to ask Buzz, and he he's not actually coming on today. But I would be interested to ask him: Was that something that you went into the game with in your back pocket in case you needed it late to rotate Henry to play more on the perimeter? Because that's not something that Henry's going to be able to do for 25 minutes in a game. That's just not how he's built. And you don't want him out there that often. But it was the perfect time to do it, considering the success that Vanderbilt had had up to that point, how they were getting most of their baskets. Well, you know, that Studi kid entered the game shooting 43% mm-hmm. three-point range. The best shooter in the, in so, the league. Yeah, Not percentage-wise, but I think he's two percentage-wise. But the guy that's leading the league has taken a lot, a lot fewer, fewer yeah. three-pointers. So, uh, so he showed that he was everything that he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. All right, when we come back, we'll have a lot more to get to on Saturday night in Reed Arena. The Aggies victorious over the Vanderbilt Commodore 72-66. to Much more with Owen Buchanan in the Go Hour. When we come back, you're listening to Tex-Ags Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. We're teaching Owen. He, he's becoming a uh, multilinguist during the commercial breaks. I would, I would, I would settle for... You know what? Bilinguist. Bilinguist. Well, trilinguist because you, we talked last week how much you speak Spanish. Well, yeah, not not enough. But uh, Kate was just teaching me some, some words German. in German because she takes a lot of German uh, language class. There are 
I believe this is true. There are still certain areas of Texas, Fredericksburg, all the mm-hmm. way to Weimar, and even I believe it's in Giddings. I'm sure we got people listening in Giddings. I had a buddy get married in Giddings at a church that I was told they still do services in German mm-hmm. in Giddings. I know they still do it in New Braunfels and Fredericksburg. Bernie. And there's enough German speaking, old German speakers that. Uh, maybe even some German radio stations. I know when I was playing ball at McNeese, one of the guys I played with was from St. Martinville Parish, and the mom and the dad would sit separately at games. Like the dad would sit a couple rows up, and the the mom would sit a couple rows down, and they would sit with the other moms and other dads. Oh, maybe and they, they were divorced. No, no, no. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> They're separated at games, and they would speak to each other about the game in French from five or six rows oh. apart. And they said, they, the kids said that, yeah, growing up, there was a still radio stations in the morning. They listened to the French radio station. Okay. They play the Zydeco music and stuff like that. So I, I would imagine, I think there's, that's still true with the German speakers in Texas. So maybe we send Kay, who's our not native German speaker, but a learning, learned German speaker. We send her to the central Texas area to do some Texags in, uh, in Deutsche. <laughs> Well, I'll just say the next time the Aggies play in Germany, we've got it covered. <laughs> I got y'all. Are you ready for that? Is that why you're taking German in college? I mean, it, I just took it in high school, and so then I had to take language in college and just decided to go with German. So it is, I will say, it's cool to learn a language that's like, you know, everybody takes Spanish in college, so it's kind of cool to have a different different thing to learn about every day. So I would say I can follow along pretty easily Still, the speaking part, not fluent. All the German I know, I learned on Hogan's, watching Hogan's Heroes. That's beyond me, even. What, Hogan's Heroes? You never saw the TV show Hogan's Heroes? No. Oh, my god! Give me a year for that. Oh, it was probably big in the early 70s, late 60s. When do you think I was born? Well, what? Have you never seen I Love Lucy? I've seen it. Well, it I don't think Hogan's Heroes is even close. Hogan's Heroes was a great TV show. I'm not saying it wasn't great, but in terms of popularity, I don't it, think it that they were popular. playing reruns of Hogan's Heroes Bob on Nick Crank. at Night. Richard Doss, you know, the guy that always kissed the, the girls on uh, on uh, Family Feud? Oh, yeah? Yeah, he was one that's of the old, main... See, that was way before my time, too. Man. Watch some, watch some Nickelodeon. Watch some old shows. Hogan's Heroes. To, my dad Hogan's really Heroes was awesome. Anyway, that's how I learned all my Spanish, uh, all my uh, German. So what did you learn? Like Yabu. And uh, translate that, Kay. I can't understand yeah. what he's saying. I need well, it's East Texas German. And, and I know nothing. <laughs> what, the, what is that? That was Schultz. The sergeant. Oh, is not, is that just that. saying I know nothing yeah. but what a but German we, we, That yeah. wasn't really a yeah. German act. That's what I thought it was. Okay. Hey, uh Listeners, and uh, feel free to ridicule uh, Broninger for not knowing anything about Hogan's Heroes. Or feel free to ridicule show. Olin about anything that just happened Tremendous over the last show. 90 seconds to two minutes. Tech Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers inside the Rollo Insurance Studios. I'm Ryan Broninger, joined at the desk as we are every morning by Olin Buchanan. It's the Go Hour presented by the warehouse at CC Creations. Olin, when you go back and you look at Saturday night, the first half, and I know you asked Buzz about it in the post game, and you got the sweetheart comment in reply. But one thing that they shot a lot of three pointers in the first half. Yes, that's what I was trying to get right. at. Right, and they cut that number in half ball. in the second half. Well, because it, well, they should have cut it in num- number in in half in the first half. They made uh, Tyrese Radford made the first shot of the game as a three pointer. 
he made the last shot of the half of the first half with like two seconds to go. It was a three pointer. In between, they were one of eleven shooting three pointer. And now, no, can I? I don't yeah, want to cut you in, off. But I do want. In. I want to ask you this: If you're getting good looks, but you're not making them. Is it still a quality shot? Now that's a question. And, and that's that the analytics I, of Buzz and all well, that. Kind and that's of stuff. what I was trying to get at with Buzz, and he did a really good job of deflecting it because the fact that I'm saying is is that were y'all getting the shots you wanted, or did y'all get out of your you know game plan? Because when A and M in the second half started attacking the rim, which is what they typically do to be you know to win games. Then they started being more successful offensively, did they not? Well, and I think, too, it goes back to your point about being able to have different recipes to win, Mm -hmm. having more than one way to win a game. Uh, You saw that last year with the Aggie baseball team. Like they could get into a slugfest every now and then, they'd get into a little pitcher's duel. So, and they were able to successfully win both ways. And I think AM, I'd have to go back and look, OB. I don't know the answer to the question. They shot 13 three pointers in the first half. Made three. Made three. But I don't know off the top of my head without going back to look because you don't really, when you're watching the game, you don't mentally recall the misses. Mm-hmm. But if they were getting good looks within the flow of the offense where they wanted them, then as a coach, I think you just live with well, it, right? And that that would have been uh, an interesting comment to hear. Um, you know, if, if Buzz felt compelled to answer the, the question that I was trying to ask. So do you think that – Going forward, and this is kind of – I'm trying to get to a Wade Taylor question here. Okay. Is is Wade Taylor the guy that you feel the most comfortable with being the most aggressive from three on this team? Uh, Probably. Uh, either he or, or Bradford. Yeah. I think that – I think when he's in, on the floor, I think Hayden Hefner is real good when he gets his shot – and he has a chance to really spot up, you know? right? He's got. If I think he's moving, shoulder square and all. Yeah, that if kind he's of moving thing. a little bit, I you know I'm not um, that comfortable with it. Now uh, this is not confident. to stay on that point. Yeah, and this is not me being trying to be a homer. Okay, he's a Nederland kid. But, yeah. but I think Hayden Hefner's minutes have been quality the last week. They haven't stood out as much as Dre Gordon mm. or Anderson Garcia. Well, he's come in and made a a, a positive contribution. And like the, he did the, the pop night. up the graphic there from Nick from bench production the other night. I think I think A and M has is very streaky from three point. I don't think you know they don't have a I don't have their their season numbers in front of me right now. I I, I don't think they have a real particularly high shooting percentage. It was one of the from worst point. in the conference, I believe. Uh, uh, so I under, I mean, and, and, you know, when it's there, you take it, especially if it's Wade Taylor or Boots, right? But sometimes you you know I just wonder, do you? Because here's a question I have. Uh, Buzz like he wants the opponent to shoot three pointers because the three pointer shot uh, is the lowest percentage. So then, why do you shoot so many? <laughs> you know, if, mm-hmm. if, hey, I want you to, I want my opponent to shoot a lot of three pointers because thirty one percent on the year. Okay, well, you know, and that's not horrible, right? That's not horrible, but they're very streaky. Seems like seems like when they make them, they make them in bunches. Yeah, and I, and I do think. There has been times this year where they have gotten hot back there and mm-hmm. kind of ridden that to a win. Sure. Florida stands out late. <laughs> South Carolina. South Carolina. Bombing. Right. Uh, but so they've made some big ones in some clutch moments. Uh, 
it's I'm super interested to see on the road at Bud Walton Arena tomorrow night. Number one, one less day's rest than you've been getting. So it's a little quicker turnaround than what A&M mm-hmm. has been used to. They're, they've been on the, kind of the Wednesday-Saturday deal, and they're playing tomorrow night uh, at Arkansas. But also, I, th- I think Arkansas is better than what they've played, and they've got a lot of long athletes. So how A&M attacks them offensively, that'll be one of the things that I'm super interested in watching in that game. I'd, again, I don't know how they're going to attack them, but it would seem like – getting to the rim and getting into the paint against a team with the length of Arkansas uh, would be beneficial to open up the rest of your offense because it's going to get weighed a little cleaner look on the outside or maybe boots. Well, I, I think that, uh, yeah, that that's their recipe for success typically. We're going to you know, well, challenge because, you inside, get inside, draw fouls, get to the free throw line, make free throws, play great defense, and, yeah, shoot threes, but, you know – Maybe not as many in volume. If I asked you, what is the one quality of Boots, Wade Taylor, and Dexter Dennis that they all have that they're good to above average, whatever, at? There's, I think there's one thing they're all three really good at, and it's going downhill and getting to the basket. Yeah. And so creating those opportunities over and over again, and I'm sure Buzz and them know this. Oh, they know that, yeah. Getting them downhill into the basket opens up a lot of stuff for their offense. And in the similar way that I felt that Henry Coleman was due for a good one, I think there's one coming for Dexter Dennis. I think yeah. he's been really good on the defensive end. He's made some clutch shots throughout these couple of games, but I think there's a an 18- to 20-pointer coming. I wouldn't be surprised. And Dexter's a, a perfect example when I was talking about they're streaky at three point line. You know, he went uh, five games where I think he made one out of. Uh, you know, again, I don't, I don't live on the stat numbers. I have to look them up. But it was like one out of fifteen or sixteen over the course of five games. And then he comes out in a, in a game against uh, maybe it might have been Florida, and he hits like four of them. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so so yeah. If, I mean, if a guy like that, he can be streaky. If he's open, of course you you know if it's a good shot, of course you take it. Um, I think that what they're going to do against Arkansas. Well, hold that. Let's go to a break because okay. we'll get to Arkansas on the other side. So, previewing the Aggies and Hogs a little bit on the other side of the break as we roll along in the go hour. You're listening to Tex Ags Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. Rolling along at the bottom of the 8 o'clock hour, Ryan Bronger and Owen Buchanan. The Go Hour on Tex-Ags Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. Inside the Rollo Insurance Studios, we're going to go over to Kay Nagley in the News and Social Center. She's looking at the A&B, Amarillo National Bank text line. If you want to interact with the show, 979-693-1150. 979-693-1150 on the text line, A&B text line. Kay, well, we're going to test. I think people are going to uh test your German skills, and I want you to read the words on the screen as written, and then you can translate them. Okay, it's pretty easy. Like, this isn't something, this is not out of the ordinary. A 253 number says, Olin sprecht Deutsch gang schrecklich. I do. (laughs) You speak German terribly, is what he's saying. Yeah, I do. (laughs) I thought he was asking me something about that movie Shrek. No, Is there Shrek-ish. more? No, that's it. Oh, that's you, I, I thought there were multiple. There are people chiming in saying that um, 
there is more Czech than German, as you were yes, saying. Yes, there are a lot of Czechs. Right, there. sure, yeah, yeah. And that goes all the way up to west and yeah. that kind of I-35 corridor. Huh? Balances, too. A lot of Czechs with balances. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, by the way, I like hey, Friday all better way, than Monday. Yeah, by the way, let me. I I never. I rarely do this, but I'm going to ask if you're re, if you're listening to us. I'm going to ask uh, if you get on Texax today. I'm going to ask you to read my column that that's posted. Today. Do you want to give a quick overview? No, it's just real quick. It's about this relationship I've met with this. Uh, I've developed with this uh, gentleman, and I mean gentle in every sense of the word. Uh, Sherman Zimmerman. And uh, kind of telling a story about a friendship we had. Sherman's fighting cancer. He's 81 years old, and he's really made a, an impact on me. So I would, uh, I would hope and I would ask you to uh, take a minute and, and read that. And uh, just, uh, you know, I love Sherman Zimmerman, and I want you to love him too. Well, it's always cool. You write so many pieces over the course of the year that are – you know, very work-related or only work-related. So if you get a chance to do a personal piece, I'm sure that means a lot to you and it means a lot to Sherman. So He's a big cool. Aggie and big Tex Agger too. I'll say this too real quick. I had a chance over the weekend. I was on Friday. There was a, there's a guy that's doing a podcast series over our baseball academy. And my episode was filmed or recorded on Friday. And I don't want to plug it on here. That's not the space for it. But he, he, got to, he started asking me, some questions about how I got started and the first conversations that I had with the people here in town that run 12 and Greg Bennett, who does so much work with us at Tex Ags and Kevin Hodge, who runs the 12. And I hadn't thought about that stuff in a while. And I guess as you get older, and, and this is kind of how I'm tying it into your relationship with Sherman, as you get older, you start valuing relationships that you have in this world more and more. And he was asking me questions about stuff that I haven't thought of thought really thought about in over 10 years and man you don't really get emotional about it but it's like at the time you make decisions in life and you have conversations and all this and you don't know it's kind of inconspicuous you don't know that it's going to be life-changing stuff so uh really cool whenever you're able to to relive some or get to professionally and personally stuff start intertwining um and you get to put a lot of thought and and heartfelt emotions uh into something so We get ready to preview the Aggies and the Arkansas Razorbacks on the road tomorrow night at Bud Walton Arena. Arkansas comes in 14-7 and overall, 3-5 and in the SEC. Olin, uh, when you just get a quick look at them, you understand that 10-1 um, and at home and 0-5 on the road, they, they're doing a great job of protecting their home court. This is going to be a tough road trip for the Aggies. It always is. Um, Arkansas, Bud Walton Arena is a tough place to play. Uh, always have great fan support there. They're always going to be loud. Um, Arkansas is going to the, the team always responds to that, much like A and M responded to, to their crowd the other night. Um, they're not as good as they were projected to be, and injuries are a huge part of that. Uh, they had a guy named I think his name's Nick Smith uh, that was like maybe if not the number one recruit in the country, one of them, and he hasn't played much at all. Uh, because of a knee injury, they lost a, a big uh, 6'10 inside you know guy that's only played like nine games. He's out for the year, and so that's kind of curtailed them. But you know they're still a team that that you have to. They're talented. You know, they, they they still have talent. Again, they're maybe not as good as they projected to be, 
But uh, they dang near beat Baylor uh, on the road the other night. Day. It was a three-point yeah, game. Was, they were mm-hmm. they were shooting from the corner to try to force overtime, and uh, the guy who come off the bench and missed it. But, uh, you know, they, they went up to Missouri and lost by three. Missouri's, you know, uh, is a good team, especially on the road. So In um, that game, I watched most of that one. Arkansas felt pretty comfortable even in the second half for a large portion of that second half. And they fell apart in a similar way that A&M was kind of falling apart Saturday night. Arkansas was falling apart that way in Columbia, and they just didn't have enough to hold on. They didn't bounce back at the end like A&M did. Now, that was a game that I thought, watching it, I think Arkansas went up by double digits at one point in the second half. I'm like, this thing's over. Yeah, now the last time I saw A&M and Arkansas play, A&M blew them off the court in Tampa. So maybe – uh, they can, but I don't think you just go into Fayetteville expecting a, an easy win. It won't be, but uh, without a doubt, A&M is capable of winning there. I, I think if, if if last year A&M had a lead late, if my memory serves, and then it went into overtime and they lost in overtime in Fayetteville. I can't remember that, that much. So I much think happened. that's the case. I'm well, going to look that up while you're talking. But Anthony Black's a kid, one of their – Leading players and, and lead guard. That was a. I was familiar with Anthony Black because at one point he was on the A and M football radar as a football recruit out of Capel. But there's some names that you're going to be familiar with. Really good players: Ricky Council the fourth, Devontae Davis, uh, Makai Mitchell, Jordan Walsh. All these guys that they're talented players, and so you worry about not as talented as Kentucky. Were you worried about when is Kentucky going to figure it out? Is it going to be before your game when you played them if you're A&M, or is it going to be after where they continue to scuffle? Um, you, that's why I thought for A&M's sake, you wanted Arkansas to lose in Waco. They win in Waco, they get a little bit of confidence, and they start figuring out. They see the ball go through the, the hoop one more time where they've been on the, the short end a couple of times. They see that the ball go through the hoop. Maybe they pull off the upset in Waco, and they're coming in riding with a ton of confidence into a, an SEC home home battle. So now, see I was hoping Arkansas would win because then if you beat them it it just makes your resume look that but much. But it better. ain't going to matter if if you beat them you beat them. But if you well, if So you, I want them playing with less confidence than more confidence. Uh I think if you beat them if they had won the fact that they had knocked off a ranked team But in the end if profile. if you beat them and you get to 13 and 5 it don't matter if they beat right. Baylor or not. Well, I always I well you're taking things for granted. I'm not taking anything for granted with a selection committee. You need things to, to to be as good for you as possible. I always say you have to beat – you know, you have to play those teams anyway. Beat them when they're good. You have to beat them anyway. But last year, I, I, my memory did serve for this one, uh, up in Fayetteville, A&M lost 76-73 in overtime. Uh, so uh, it was a, a really close game, and – uh, I think that was during the eight-game losing streak early mm-hmm. in it. So this is a better A&M team. I don't know if it's as good an Arkansas team or not, but uh, I think it'll be a really difficult win to get. But I think A&M's, uh, we all believe, uh, fully capable of winning in Fayetteville. Well, I think you and Nuno will probably dive in way more into the numbers and look at it a little bit deeper on tomorrow's show. We're going to get to one final break here in the go hour. When we come back, let's talk a little NFL football in the playoff games, specifically what happened in Kansas City last night. What a classic between Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs, win the AFC and uh, advance to the Super Bowl to play the Philadelphia Eagles here in a couple weeks. So we'll end the show or we'll end the, the go hour 
uh, with a little professional football talk on the other side of the break. You're listening to Tex-Ags Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. Closing the 8 o'clock hour, go hour, Tex-Ags Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. I'm Ryan Broninger, joined with Olin B- by Oil McKinnon inside the Rollo Insurance Studios. Olin, I was really excited. I was really happy that we got a quality football game in the nightcap last night because the Philly-San Francisco game was a stinker after Brock Purdy went out. Phil- uh, San Francisco just had no no chance, no prayer to win that game. They had, and then they had no prayer with Josh Johnson, who's a legitimate quarterback, when he went out. Uh, I don't I don't know how you are supposed to. It was almost like you don't ever concede, but it almost would have been better. I mean, the game was over. The game was over. Yeah, so just put McCaffrey in the in the wildcat, wildcat and but, run and, every play. Yeah, right? But, That's, right. That was all they could do. Right. right. Uh but the the nightcap episode number four, I guess, is that episode four between Joe Burrow and Pat Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs topped the Cincinnati Bengals twenty three to twenty, and it really didn't get outstanding until late the second half and then burrow and Mahomes started answering each other some just incredible throws joe burrow on fourth and short to jamar chase uh, you had pat mahomes playing on really one foot uh, marquez valdez scantling had an enormous night but that final drive for kc to get into field goal position there were a ton of people that had opinions on the joseph osa roughing uh not roughing. It was his late hit. Late hit out of bounds. I, I thought it was pretty clear. There were some people that were kind of coming to Osai's defense. I think had the game not had been as been as poorly officiated as it was, that's pretty clear cut to me. There would be nobody questioning what happened there in that final play, that final drive. But because it was officiated as bad as it was, everybody's looking to nitpick stuff. Well, look. Here's what I say, um, just on that play in particular, on that call. It was clearly a late hit, out, out of bounds. They're, 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 you, you can't deny that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then someone, I saw, I think his name's Emmanuel o- Acho. Acho, said, well, you, you don't call that there. If it's a penalty in the first minute, it's a penalty in the last minute. Now, I almost agree I don't want the referees involved unless it's an obvious penalty. Because what if what if you hit a guy out of bounds late and he gets hurt and now he's not able to play in overtime? Now, that didn't happen mm-hmm. when we don't know. We assumed that Patrick Mahomes was still going to play. But – you have to think of it that way. Mm-hmm. What is because then if if that's if you're not going to call it late, then I will just next time hit the quarterback late and dig his shoulder into the ground, right? Because hey, they're not going. You don't call it no, late. I think people were arguing the caller. It's pretty ridiculous. That was blatant. I mean, of course, he's got two feet in the white, oh, and then he was hit, and he got driven yeah. all the way into the bench. Uh, it was a pretty clear foul. My bigger issue was with the mysterious free play and i watched the game with no volume on so if you watched the you did you and you didn't have the on that particular on. play my wife's sister called her turn, so she's on the phone turned off the the sound so i didn't i was like what's going on yeah and it was kind of it whatever the explanation was did not sit well with the bingo sideline 
And I'm sure it didn't sit well with our resident Bengals fan that works here. Yeah. And then the following play, and to your point, if it's a penalty in the first play, it's got to be a penalty on the last play. The ensuing play, so on that free play, that would have been a third down stop. Right. It looked like they actually got a better deal out of it. Right. And the, well, it would have forced Kansas City to punt. Well, Kansas City gets another play, and then Eli Apple. And he got sacked. No, 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 no. He, he got sacked. After the, the free play? Yes. Mahomes got sacked, but. Right, right. There was, yeah, you're right. The result of the play was a sack, but there was a hold on Eli Apple in the secondary, and that's when I'm going, all right, like you gave them a free play with not, whatever the explanation was, the Cincinnati sideline didn't understand it at all and didn't agree with it. So there's clearly some kind of, uh, it, it's not a clear-cut misunderstanding that happened. I'm still trying to find. Do we know why the the? All the, I saw was the the field judge on the. Is it the field judge that's oh. on the sideline deep? On the Cincinnati sideline, ran toward the play as the ball was snapped, getting ready to put his hands over his head. Now that replay, we didn't see that replay for a few minutes after that the play the incident had occurred, because everybody's going, "What happened?" And then they finally had the zoomed out really high camera version where you could see him run in. But it was like he started running in late, the ball got snapped, and then he kind of moved to the sideline. Well, and my question is, why would he start running in late? What? Did somebody try to call a timeout? Did he see something that, you know, what? Maybe a clock deal? I don't know. Again, I was watching it with the sound off, and then I tried to go through Twitter, and that finding what actually happened on Twitter was a mess. So. So As it I can understand angry. Bengals fans being angry, but don't be angry because a uh, be angry at everything else. But don't be angry at that last call. Yeah. Be angry at your guy for not being have, able to have enough discipline not not to Hit draw that foul. Yeah. So we'll have White House versus Channel View quarterback yep. in the yep. Super Bowl. First time ever, two former Texas high school football quarterbacks will match up in the Super Is Bowl. Is that right? I think First that's correct. Ever. Olin, appreciate it, man. Good to be here. When we come back, Jim Schlossnagel on the other side of the break. You're listening to Texas Radio, presented Uh-oh. by David Gardner's Jewelers. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.